Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There's an active shooter situation in Jersey City. The SWAT team is on the scene there. There are reports of shots fired from a bodega in the Greenville area. Several Jersey City schools are on lockdown as a precaution. There are reports at least one police officer has been shot. A police officer has been shot and wounded in Jersey City. A standoff now underway. Let's go live to the scene along Martin Luther King Drive. WCBS reporter Steve Burns. Steve? Yeah, Steve, there's still a lot of moving parts to this. There's still a lot we do not know about what has taken place here. Uh, We do know that the first reports came in right around 1 p.m. of a shooting that took place here in the Greenville section of Jersey City, possibly at a bodega. It uh, appears that at least one police officer has been shot. We do not know the condition of that police officer. And uh, from uh, all indications, it appears this is still an ongoing situation. Several police officers have been shot in Jersey City during a shootout with two armed suspects. WCBS reporter Steve Burns is as close as police will let him get. He joins us live. Steve? Yeah, Michael, that's about four blocks away from the shooting scene. The officers are still yelling at us to go down the block and, and get away from here. We saw videos of officers before walking down uh, the block with guns drawn, yelling commands. Again, what we do know, at least two officers have been shot here. Uh, It started as a robbery at the J.C. Kosher Deli. Talked to several witnesses. Two armed suspects opened fire on police in Jersey City this afternoon. One officer has been killed. Two other officers and a civilian were wounded and are stable. Witnesses say they heard hundreds of gunshots. So I thought it was the guys maybe down the corner, you know, someone play with fireworks. And then all of a sudden, the noises start going, bah, 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 bah. I see all these unmarked cars, unmarked guys jumping out of their cars, taking stands and start shooting. Jersey City Mayor Stephen Phillips says there are multiple fatalities fatalities inside the building where the shooting occurred. The officer's name is Joe Seals. Joe was with the department since 2006, um, and even more than um, being a police officer that loved Jersey City, that was probably responsible for, or one of the leading officers for the most guns getting off the street, from what I understand. Um, He was also a husband and a father of five children. Um, So it's a tough day for Jersey City. Um, Joe is somebody who was involved in um, the city, who officers in other precincts knew who he was um, because he was a good cop. The wounded officers have been taken to Jersey City Medical Center, and that's where we find my colleague Kevin Rincon. Kevin? And as you might be able to hear behind me, first responders continue to make their way here to Jersey City Medical Center as they uh, stand by their uh, fellow uh, officers, two of them that were brought in here injured. One of them was brought here who died from his injuries. We're also told there were two people who were shot at the scene, civilians who were being treated. We're told that all of the folks who were brought here are in stable condition. It's actually become more of an active scene in this area, too, now that schools uh, have ended their lockdown. There's a middle school and a high school. WCBS's Steve Burns who is uh, on the scene. Give us a little recap now of what we've learned uh, with this latest news conference, Steve. Yeah, what we have learned is uh, that uh, one police officer was shot and killed, and it was apparently uh, right at the beginning of this incident that began around 1230 this afternoon in the Greenville section of Jersey City. That uh, initial shooting happened in a cemetery uh, not too far away from the scene here. Some Jersey City residents say it sounded like a war zone this afternoon when two armed suspects traded shots with police. 
A detective was killed. The two suspects and three civilians were killed in a kosher supermarket on Martin Luther King Drive. Our Kevin Rincon has more on the officer killed in the shootout. Detective Joe Seals was rushed to this hospital after getting shot in the head. We believe that he was killed while trying to interdict um, these bad guys at that other location on Garfield Avenue. Police Chief Mike Kelly says Detective Seals was doing his job, something he was good at. He was our leading police officer in removing guns from the street. The two other officers who were injured, Ray Sanchez and Farinell Fernandez, were treated and released. And the investigation into that shootout that has left now six people dead in Jersey City, including a hero cop, changed overnight. Mayor Stephen Fulop now saying that a kosher market was targeted by these gunmen. Let's get our team coverage underway this morning. WCBS reporter Sean Adams is at the scene. Sean. And that's a crucial piece of information. The kosher market targeted according to Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop. Now, beyond that, there's, there are no further details, so it really begs a lot of questions here. Was this terrorism? Was it an anti-Semitic attack? Well, here's what we do know. Two attackers with high-powered rifles first killed a Jersey City detective, Joseph Seals. They then sped off. They invaded uh, this kosher market, killed three people inside, engaged police in a gun battle for hours, turning MLK Drive in the Greenville section into a combat zone. They had a stolen rental truck with a possible incendiary device. That neighborhood where the shootout happened has been changing over the years, with Hasidic families moving from Brooklyn. Let's go there live now, and that part of the story from WCBS reporter Marla Diamond. Marla? And Jersey City Kosher Market opened three years ago, Wayne. It caters to a small but growing number of Hasidic families, mainly from the Satmar sect, who have moved from Brooklyn to Jersey City in recent years, seeking cheaper housing and rents. Acts of violence against Jews here in the New York City area and across the country are becoming increasingly and disturbingly common. This is New York's News Radio, WCBS News Radio 880, a radio.com station. It's overcast 58 degrees on this New Year's Day, January 1st, 2019. A wind advisory. 9-11 survivors will push this year to make the Victims' Compensation Fund permanent as the number of 9-11-related deaths continues to rise. Here's WCBS's Steve Barnes. The James Adroga Health and Compensation Act is set to expire on December 18th, 2020. But we're not going to make it to December 18th, 2020 because they're going to run out of money. Says first responder advocate John Field because lawmakers underestimated the need. Nick told us we were crazy and we were making stuff up, but science caught up to a bunch of 9-11 responders. He's planning another trip down to D.C. in the next few weeks to talk to Congress, and he vows a renewal will get passed. I don't apologize, nor do I care what someone's title is when they get in the way of easing the pain of these men and women. His tally of those succumbing to a 9-11-related illness keeps growing, and now at a faster rate as those responders get older. We average losing somebody every 2.7 days. 40 in the last four months alone, he says. Comedian John Stewart has joined 9-11 responders and survivors in Washington today. They are urging Congress to make the struggling 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund permanent. Our Peter Haskell spoke with Stewart. In the first five years of the program, there were more than 19,000 claims filed. That was through 2016. Last month alone, there were nearly 5,000 filings. That's why responders are back at the Capitol pleading for money. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's not embarrassing for, for the, the people doing it. It's embarrassing for the, the country and, and for the, the lawmakers who over these 18 years have never get this thing right. As the meeting wound down with the staff heard for North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer, retired Fire Chief Richard Alley's handed him a piece of paper. It was a printout of a Kramer tweet from 9-11-2015. Never forget. I want him to stand by the words that he expressed uh, several years ago uh, to, to never forget. The responders are prepared. They'll tell lawmakers or staffers how many people from their state or district are sick from World Trade Center exposure. Retired correction warden Rich Palmer has a multitude of health problems, but he feels compelled to be here. For the ones that can't come down and fight for the, what's right, what they deserve. The money is a lifeline for those sickened in Lower Manhattan. People continue to die in the aftermath of the 9-11 tragedy, but rarely at a rate we saw this week. Mike Sugarman with the story. You know, this is devastating. Just since last September, 101 9-11 survivors have died. I call it the 9-11 devil and its ugly henchmen or demonic demons. And the 9-11 devil's cancer.
It took five in the past week. The count by survivor advocate John Feel, who mourns the passing of three firefighters, an FBI agent, and a construction worker. He'll attend more funerals while he continues his fight to restore the victim's compensation. Half of the House of Representatives from both sides of the aisle are now co-sponsoring a bill to fully fund the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. More from WCBS reporter Steve Burns. There are 226 names on the list. More than that's needed to pass it. Getting this bill to the finish line to permanently fund the 9-11 Victims Compensation Program has become a personal crusade for New York Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney. We frame it, and it is a national responsibility. And the list of sponsors reflects that, though it still appears somewhat split down party lines. 80% of the sponsors are Democrats. The fight goes on for the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund. WCBS reporter Peter Haskell says first responders are returning today to Capitol Hill. When he makes his way through Congress, Rob Sarah's neuropathy confines him to a wheelchair. The retired firefighter is 39 years old. He feels compelled to lobby for those who have yet to get sick. The cancer's not going to stop just because the bill's out of money. You know, and there's still going to be people like me with young kids who still have to, you know, put food on the table. The kids got to go to college. Got, how are you going to make that choice? This comes from everybody in this hallway. First responders gave Ray Pfeiffer's bunker code to 9-11 advocate extraordinaire John Stewart. Pfeiffer was a firefighter who succumbed to a 9-11 illness. I don't deserve this. Um, but I will treasure it, like I treasured Ray and our friendship. Stewart's emotion carried over into the hearing when he talked about the first 911 call on 9-11. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs with courage, grace, tenacity, humility. Eighteen years later, do yours! The bill is expected to pass the House in a landslide. On Capitol Hill, Peter Haskell... A cop who became sick after spending time at Ground Zero goes for his 69th round of chemo today. Yesterday, he testified on Capitol Hill in the latest effort to extend the 9-11 Victims' Compensation Fund, and he spoke with our Peter Haskell. I should not be here with you, but you made me come. A day after testifying before Congress, Lou Alvarez is going for his 69th round of chemo. We have to do it, because if we don't do it, nobody else will. His wife is pleading with him to stop the treatments, but he wants to set an example for his two teenage sons. But he's fighting it, and, you know, we're going to beat this. A touching gesture from a 9-11 first responder now in hospice may have played a key role in convincing Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to let the Senate take a vote on a bill extending the 9-11 Victims' Compensation Fund. It's still not a done deal, but this is a major step forward for 9-11 responders like John Field. Mitch McConnell made a commitment to the 9-11 community and my team leaders that he's going to help us get a piece of legislation that was, that's going to be passed in the House in July for an August vote in the Senate. Field says the votes in both houses are there. The meeting was described as cordial, and McConnell was given the NYPD badge of Lou Alvarez. With a swipe of a pen, <laughs> the bill providing permanent funding for the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund became law. President Trump held a Rose Garden ceremony today celebrating the bill's signing. Today we come together as one nation to support our September 11th heroes, to care for their families, and to renew our eternal vow, never, ever forget. Our Peter Haskell is at the White House ceremony with more on what it took to get the VCF passed. Some Republicans were worried about the price tag, $10 billion over the next 10 years. But with the responders repeatedly coming here to D.C. to lobby and twist arms and in some cases shame them, the bill passed overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate. This just in to the WCBS Newsroom. Well, Amazon pulling out of a planned New York City campus. Amazon is saying today that it is canceling plans to build a corporate campus in New York City. The company had planned to build a sprawling complex in Long Island City, Queens, in exchange for nearly $3 billion in state and city incentives. But 
The deal had run into fierce opposition from local lawmakers who criticized providing subsidies to one of the world's richest companies. Amazon said the deal would have created more than 25,000 jobs. WCBS reporter Peter Haskell joining us live. And the way supporters described it, this was a home run. The company would bring 25,000 jobs and the deal would turbocharge the local economy. But there was opposition from the word go. Not just because of the $3 billion in incentives, but because of Amazon's culture. Councilman Jimmy Van Bramer has been a vocal opponent. We just hung up the phone with him. What is your take on the fact that Amazon is pulling the plug on this deal? I think that it is a victory for the values that we hold here. That um, we insisted that this be uh, a town that supports labor and unions and the rights of workers to organize. But Amazon said that it would refuse to do so. WCBS reporter Rich Lamb, who normally covers City Hall for us, is on vacation in Los Angeles. But with a story like this, vacations go out the window. Rich, thank you for joining us live on your time off today. I'm sure your phone blew up anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm in, I'm in downtown L.A. I'm looking at the roofs of several buildings on which there are helipads, which is kind of ironic when you get down to it since that was one of the things that was uh, driving the opposition in Long Island City. Uh, I can tell you, too, I just took a quick look, uh, and uh, Amazon stock is down more than nine points, so the market doesn't like this. Now, we've been calling this a surprise announcement by Amazon, but is it really? Let's bring in our longtime WCBS business reporter, Joe Connolly. Joe, you're not entirely shocked by this news. For two reasons. One is that there was a somewhat little-noticed statement by the Amazon vice president in charge of bringing Amazon here before the city council recently, and I think it was about a 90-minute or two-hour hearing. At one point in there, he just said, we want to go and grow and invest where we are welcome, period. Secondly, Bloomberg observed recently that the opposition to Amazon seemed to be taking on a life of its own. And Amazon, I believe, concluded that this was not going to end. They would probably be the subject of criticism maybe for the next two or three or four years as they were moving in. And as you indicated, at some point, Jeff Bezos may have just said, you know, what? I don't need this. President Trump says the whistleblower complaint about his phone call with Ukraine's president is just another political hack job. He insists his conversations with foreign leaders have been, in his words, totally appropriate. President Trump tweets that he has authorized the release of what he calls the fully declassified and unredacted transcript of his phone conversation with Ukraine's president, tomorrow. Our Steve Burns has more on how local Democrats are considering the issue of impeachment. While the Mueller report got a lot of Democrats in Congress talking about impeachment, others in more competitive districts stayed silent. But not anymore. New Jersey's Mikey Sherrill maybe made the biggest splash, announcing with a handful of other moderates that they now support impeachment proceedings. Others like New Jersey's Albio Osiris and New York's Tom Suozzi and Antonio Delgado followed suit. Other Democrats are still playing it safe. New Jersey's Josh Gottheimer and New York's Max Rose aren't calling for impeachment, but a full investigation. To me, none of this rises to the level of impeachment. New York Republican Pete King chalks this up to Democrats not wanting to lose their base. Any more information that gets released, he says, could be a problem. Conversations between a president and a foreign leader should never, ever be made public except maybe the most extreme circumstances. But the circumstances here, says New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. That breaks the desire to keep conversations private. The Democrat tells WCBS 880 if these reports are true, it amounts to extortion by the president. We should have a total unredacted transcript. And again, the president says we will have that total unredacted transcript of his conversation with Ukraine's president tomorrow. And the House impeachment investigation once a closed door process unfolds before all of our eyes and ears. 10 o'clock this morning, Peter Haskell spoke with somebody who was involved in the last impeachment. Seeing the witnesses on TV changes the equation. Their words bring the narrative to life. Guy Smith says that's when things went south for President Nixon during Watergate. When they went on television, people began to pay attention. And they started to see the misdeeds of the president. Smith advised President Clinton during his impeachment. WCBS News Time, 10 o'clock. CBS News Special Report, Impeachment Inquiry. Here's correspondent Bill Rakoff on Capitol Hill. 
Good morning. The investigation by the House of Representatives into President Trump will enter a new and public phase today with the Intelligence Committee entertaining witnesses in front of the microphones and the cameras. WCBS reporter Kevin Racone watched the hearing all day long. He joins us in the studio now. So, Kevin, what was the message today from Democrats and Republicans? Well, for Democrats, they essentially came out today and said it's not just what the president said over the phone with his Ukrainian counterpart. It's about everything else that played out behind the scenes scenes. They say the president withheld military aid from Ukraine for political gain, wanted investigations, and didn't care about the situation on the ground between Ukraine and Russia, which was the reason they needed the money in the first place. On the other side of things, Republicans, they came out with two arguments today. One, the aid was released, no investigations were called, so no harm, no foul. The other argument that they made is that the president was within his rights to ask for an investigation. I sat down last night with the man who broke the Nixon Watergate story, Washington Post investigative journalist Bob Woodward. A lot of people are thinking back to the Nixon Watergate era. Can you compare and contrast then and now? Do we have an hour and a half? (laughs) Not quite. There's some similarities and there are differences. The Nixon tapes led to his downfall. Have you seen anything of that magnitude this time around? Well, we don't have tape. The House is debating the two articles of impeachment against President Trump before voting on them this evening. Bloomberg White House correspondent Jordan Fabian is on our news line. Jordan, thanks for coming on. Are we hearing anything new today, or are they just the same arguments we've been hearing for weeks now? Yeah, m- mostly the same argument we're hearing here. Uh, you know, Democrats saying that you know the president has uh, violated his oath of office, and Republicans either saying he did nothing wrong, you know, or or that uh, they disagree with the process. We did hear one interesting comparison from a Louisiana congressman, from a Republican congressman, who likened this to the uh, trial of Jesus Christ himself. So some uh, some heated debate uh, going on in the House floor right now. President Trump had more to say, or should we say, tweet today as well. Yes, he tweeted uh, almost 50 times this morning. Definitely been lighting up his Twitter feed all day today. Jordan, give us an idea of the timetable. What uh, time do we think the House will actually vote on impeachment tonight? Uh, We're hearing that this vote could take place around 7 or 8 o'clock. And um, so uh, this could be happening right as the president is taking the stage in Battle Creek, Michigan, at a campaign rally. So uh, we could have quite the split-screen moment where the House is voting to impeach President Trump and while at the same time he's rallying his own supporters. This just in to the WCBS Newsroom. We've got a power outage in Manhattan right now. Scattered outages, but it looks like mid uh, Midtown and on the west side and upper west side. Reports of power outage at 30, 30 Rock. That's where NBC is. We've got reports of an outage at Columbus Circle. There's some power outages on the subways, apparently. As you've been hearing our top story this evening, there are reports of scattered power outages in parts of Manhattan and Queens this evening. Now, reports have the outages extending at least from Midtown through Hell's Kitchen to the Upper West Side. Social media is reporting an outage at LaGuardia Airport as well. Con Ed puts the total number of customers without power at 39,000. Police are reporting people stuck in elevators. Outages extending across 42nd Street with billboards at Times Square out. There's several high-rises here at 64th and West End, Mm -hmm. and I guess they had to walk down because the elevators aren't working. But on the street corners, on on the streets, there are just a mob of people standing around, taking pictures, talking to each other, trying to figure out what exactly is going on. It's uh, it's somewhat jovial right now. I hope the mood stays this way. I called my son. That was the first thing I did. Uh, he's home alone, sixteen uh, year old, and I, you know, I called him up, and he was out in the street, and he said, "Mom, I'm walking around. Everybody's outside. It's too hot to be inside." Of course, the air conditioning cut off. WCBS's Steve Burns is at Seventy Second and Broadway, and he joins us live now uh, with an update on the situation there. What are you seeing, Steve? Yeah, John and Maria, it's a really interesting scene here. Uh, obviously, gridlock here at 72nd and Broadway. The only lights, uh, obviously, are headlights. The traffic lights are out. The pedestrian signals are out. Uh, drivers are, as you can hear, negotiating with each other, trying to get through. Uh, we actually had a, a what appeared to be just a, a random guy, a civilian, trying to direct traffic here. Uh, and it was not working out very well. 
We've been following developments this morning involving the Fulton Street Station in Lower Manhattan evacuated because of two suspicious packages, uh, and uh, it is affecting subway service this morning. And certainly someone who would know all about this, getting the latest on the information that's coming in, is uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, who joins us live. Governor, thank you for your time. Can you tell us what you've heard about what's going on at Fulton Street this morning? Yes, uh, thank you for having me. The uh, MTA discovered two uh, what look like pressure cookers. The uh, bomb squad has looked at it, and uh, they don't believe at this point that there were. It was an actual bomb device. There were no wires, etc. The suspicion is uh, that they were placed there to uh, suggest that they were electronic devices and uh, possible bombs. On our newsline, former federal agent and longtime security expert Bob Strang. Bob, we don't know all of the details yet, but in the world we live in today, this sure did frighten a lot of people. It did. And, you know, everything is recent, certainly in our mind, um, from what we've seen uh, across the country recently and, you know, from our experience here in New York. um, Bob, again, remembering that we don't know all the circumstances just yet, but we hear a lot about domestic or homegrown terror these days. How can we be prepared but not paralyzed in our everyday lives? Right. Well, that's a, it, that's a good way to say it, because we never know. We have so many things. You know, we're, we've, we've made so much progress when it comes to foreign terrorism. The officer behind the chokehold death of Eric Garner has been fired by Police Commissioner James O'Neill. He sided with NYPD trial judge Rosemarie Maldonado, who, in her opinion, said Daniel Pantaleo had the opportunity to release Garner, but did not. WCBS reporter Steve Burns is at police headquarters with more on the decision. More than five years after Eric Garner exclaimed, I can't breathe, 11 times with Officer Daniel Pantaleo's arm around his neck, Pantaleo is now out of a job. The unintended consequence of Mr. Garner's death must have a consequence of its own. Commissioner James O'Neill says he's confident in his decision, though it wasn't an easy one to make. Now There was this pressure from on any number of sides here to, you know, make this decision, make that decision. I had to do, in the end, what I felt was the correct decision. The firing is effective immediately, and Pantaleo is stripped of his pension. O'Neill says he understands cops who may not be happy with the decision, but he says the department will need to work through it. What I want the residents of New York City to take from this, that there is accountability within the New York City Police Department. More now on our top story, the firing of Officer Daniel Pantaleo. He's the cop who put Eric Garner in a chokehold, contributing to his death on Staten Island back in 2014. PBA President Pat Lynch says Commissioner O'Neill made his choice, picking politics and his own self-interest over the police officers he leads. Lynch says O'Neill has now created a new reality in which officers may be deemed reckless just for doing their job. Well, Garner's daughter, Emerald, thanked Commissioner O'Neill for making his decision. I thank you for doing the right thing. I truly, sincerely thank you for firing the officer. Regardless to however you came up to your decision, you finally made a decision that should have been made five years ago. And it's unfortunate that we went from one administration to the next. We, we can't talk about what happened in the past. We can only talk about what we're going to do moving forward. Billionaire Jeffrey Epstein is in jail. The convicted sex offender is awaiting a court hearing tomorrow in Manhattan Federal Court. He's being held on sex trafficking charges. Our Mac Rosenberg is live for us this morning from Lower Manhattan with the very latest. Mac? Kevin, Jeffrey Epstein has a mansion on the Upper East Side and a palatial estate in Palm Beach. Both places are where he allegedly brought in underage girls as young as 14, paid them cash for massages, and then molested them. An indictment is expected to be unsealed here at federal court tomorrow, and it's not the first time that Epstein has been accused of sexual abuse. In fact, this new arrest comes amid a challenge to a previous case in which Epstein was convicted of molesting underage girls back in 2007. He only served 13 months. Multimillionaire Jeffrey Epstein was found dead this morning inside his jail cell in Manhattan. Steve Burns has the latest outside the Metropolitan Correctional Center. He joins us live. Yeah, Kevin, that's the word from the city medical examiner's office confirming to me that they have an open medical investigation uh, into Jeffrey Epstein's death. We're told he had hanged himself and was found in his cell at around 6.30 this morning, uh, taken to a nearby hospital in cardiac arrest where he was pronounced dead. Uh, Epstein was staying here at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Lower Manhattan. He was set to stand trial next year on charges that he sexually abused young girls in New York and in Florida. 
Uh, we are now seeing a statement from the attorney for many of those alleged victims. Uh, Lisa Bloom says those victims would have preferred that Epstein live to face justice, but they say their cases can still go on against his estate. Uh, Epstein had been on suicide watch for more than two weeks. He was found semi-conscious in his jail cell back on July 23rd with some marks on his neck. Uh, I'm now seeing calls from politicians on both sides of the aisle this morning uh, for an investigation into how someone uh, on suicide watch inside a federal prison uh, was still able to commit suicide. How did Jeffrey Epstein die? An autopsy on the body has been completed, but the city's medical examiner has not yet released an official cause of death. WCBS reporter Marla Diamond joins us live with the latest, including questions, Marla, about staffing levels at that federal jail where Epstein died. And, Paul, the lower Manhattan federal lockup is chronically understaffed, according to published reports, and the two guards assigned to the protective housing unit where Jeffrey Epstein was were both on forced overtime, according to the New York Times. Justice Department investigators are also expected to focus on why Epstein was taken off suicide watch despite being found unconscious with marks around his neck in his cell last month, and they want to know why his cellmate was moved, leaving Epstein alone. President of the union representing guards at the jail says there were no cameras in the cells where Epstein was being held. More than just the headlines, this is WCBS News Radio 880. A helicopter crash lands onto the roof of a skyscraper in Midtown Manhattan. Governor Cuomo says the only indication right now is that the helicopter had an emergency or made a hard landing. 7th Avenue was closed for blocks around that scene. No confirmed word on the number of injuries. Governor Cuomo did say there may be fatalities. CBS 2 says one person was killed, presumably the pilot. We have multiple reporters on the scene. They'll be joining us live with the latest. It is raining with a very low ceiling, 64 degrees in New York City. On Monday, June 10th, I'm Steve Scott. Good afternoon. I'm Michael Wallace. It's 2.31 at WCBS. Breaking news on WCBS. We want to get you caught up on what we know about the helicopter crash on top of a building at 787 7th Avenue. That's 7th and 51st Street. It's a 51-story building. The chopper made a forced landing on the building's roof just before 2 this afternoon. It's not clear why. A fire did break out, but it is now contained. Governor Cuomo says people inside the building felt it shake. We've heard people say they were a block away and felt a shake. The governor says there may have been casualties. CBS 2 reports that one person is dead, that the pilot was the only person on board. WCBS reporter Kevin Rincon has made his way to the scene and joins us live. Kevin, what are you seeing there? Michael, I'm right in front of the building where this helicopter made that uh, forced landing, and I can tell you it's a heavy police and FDNY response. A lot of first responders here, including some high-rise units. Uh, the folks are making their way inside, but you mentioned the weather. It is uh, just pouring rain. It is some thick fog. You can't really see all the way on up there. Uh, you know, It's hard to tell what's going on up there, if you're seeing smoke or if it's just the fog. You heard some of the details we heard from the FDNY and from uh, the governor, but we're working to find out some more here. Still seeing first responders make their way to the scene as they're continuing to block off not just the street here in front, but some surrounding streets as well as they continue to try and get a gauge of what, uh, what's going on and the extent of it. But it's really hard to tell what's going on from down here just because of the weather as well and, and just because of how high up this happened. Uh, you know, taking a look now, and, and it's, you can't see up there. You just can't. It's just all fog right now. All right, Kevin Rincon, who's on the scene at 7th Avenue and 51st Street. Our colleague Steve Burns has a slightly different vantage point from a different angle there near the scene. Steve, what can you tell us? What do you see? Uh, yeah, gentlemen, it's uh, about the same as uh, Kevin described, just a litany of emergency vehicles here. At 7th and 50th, there's a, a huge crowd that's gathered, everyone dodging each other's umbrellas while firefighters and police officers are uh, threading their way uh, through the crowd here. As Kevin said, can't really see to the top of this building, can't really see uh, any evidence of this crash from the ground, uh, just in this, in this driving rain. And as you said, Steve, a, a low ceiling here. We are still waiting to, to hear several details of what happened, but we can tell you, obviously, NYPD, FDNY are on the scene, the FBI. Uh, has also made an appearance here. It is uh, still obviously very active scene here. As we uh, attempt to find out some more details, not too much that uh, we can see from the ground here, guys. 
All right, Steve Burns live at uh, 7th Avenue and 50th, just a block away from this uh, 51-story building where, again, a helicopter has made a forced landing. A fire erupted, and we are understanding that only one person aboard the pilot was killed in that hard landing. Let's uh, rejoin uh, WCBS's Tom Kaminsky, who obviously spends a lot of time in helicopters. And, uh, again, go over for us on a day like this with the ceiling so low, what your concerns would be, especially flying over Midtown Manhattan? Well, we certainly, you know, when you have, I checked the, uh, we've just checked the weather again, and uh, the the ceiling has been anywhere between 500 and 800 feet. It lowers certainly in some of those heavier pockets of rain. Uh, But as as Kevin and Steve had mentioned, there's, uh, you can't see at this point. You have 500 feet and that's it. Uh, Once you get to that 500 foot ceiling level, you would be into it. The other issue here is that that is uh, just a couple of blocks away way if we're talking 7th avenue and 51st street uh well the the one mile flight restriction around trump tower begins right in that area of 57th and 5th uh and it has been in place for over two years now so that is something that is well documented on any and all aviation maps everyone that flies anywhere around that area knows that flight restriction uh now having said that again if you are in an emergency situation you are looking for a place to land Uh, of course we used to work at, at 52nd street and 6th Avenue at the old Black Rock building, uh, a very similar sort of a thing. It's very, very tight, not really anywhere to go should you have an engine malfunction. Uh, so, again, at this point, we're just trying to get some more details, uh, but certainly just even getting a, a little bit of a look at 7th Avenue, you're going to be shut from the bottom end of the Central Park uh, pretty much right on down through the Times Square area, at least in through the upper 40s. It's going to be very heavy this afternoon. Tom, stay with us, because I want to ask you something you touched on earlier uh, with the C- ceiling so low. Bob Larson says the ceiling in the area of 500 feet or something like that. We know that there are fixed-wing pilots who are uh, instrument-rated. You have to be instrument-rated to fly in this kind of muck. Does the same go for helicopters, or should a helicopter be up in this kind well, of Well, that is entirely up to the operator. There are there are aircraft that do have the capability of doing that. Now, our aircraft, the type that we fly in, the type that the tourist helicopters fly in, uh, generally uh, are not equipped for that. Uh, so again, this is, uh, if it's a, a larger charter aircraft, uh, a corporate aircraft, well, that certainly is a possibility. Uh, we really don't know what type of aircraft this was or who owned it or, or who leased it. Uh, that's all yet to be determined so again the the types of aircraft that are around have a lot of different uses and they have a lot of different ways of getting around but i can tell you on a day like this we would not be flying at 500 feet it is below uh, our company's minimums we didn't fly this morning because this weather was moving in uh, and it had just moved into where we are at linden airport uh, just as we were getting ready to to take off this morning so we kept it on the ground uh, and stayed safe Um, again we don't know what type of aircraft this is we don't know who it was leased to um, all of that's still yet to be determined. All right. Thank you, Tom Kaminsky, uh, with that update. Let's go to our news line now. We have Justin Avalar. Justin is the son of our colleague Joe Avalar. Justin, we understand you were inside 787 7th Avenue when this happened. Describe the experience for us. Uh, that's right. It was a loud sound like a truck or a whoosh, and then the whole building shook. And a lot of everyone kind of jumped out of their offices and waited for the announcement from our building manager that it was um, that we had to evacuate. It took about uh, maybe five minutes before they understood that we needed to get out of the building. And then everyone um, took the stairs down. It took about maybe 10 minutes to get outside. But by then, they had closed down the entire area. Justin, what floor were you on and, and how orderly was the evacuation? I was on 24. Everyone was uh, pretty calm. And uh, just besides having to funnel into the stairwells, everyone was very calm and orderly. How long did it take you to know that there was something wrong, something amiss? Did you know right away? No, no. Just besides, everyone was a little uh, nervous because the building shook. But we didn't initially know that we had to evacuate or something was wrong with the building. It took maybe five or so minutes before they figured it out and alerted us. Did they just tell you to evacuate or did they give you any reason why? Just to evacuate. We had no, the only way I found out was um, through my dad, actually, that there was a a helicopter. Can you describe the feeling of of the jolt when the helicopter hit the building? Um, It was 
like the whole the whole building just sort of moved a bit. It 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 the everyone felt it. It was I guess as if you were in an earthquake. All right, we should point out now the FDNY is confirming that the pilot was killed in this helicopter crash at 787 7th Avenue near 51st Street today. Justin Avalar is the uh, son of our WCBS colleague Joe Avalar inside the building at 787 7th Avenue. Uh, Justin, we appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you, Justin. Do we still have Tom Kaminsky? We do. Yes, hey, sir. Hey, Tom, I was wondering, uh, you were talking about this low ceiling and uh, the, the dangers of flying over midtown Manhattan if, if there were some sort of mechanical problem in the first place. Uh, the pilot, unfortunately, has been killed. The FDNY now confirming that. Governor Cuomo called it a forced landing or a hard landing. If you were to have some sort of problem and you had to make a landing, describe how tough and, and maybe even how heroic it would be to end up on a roof and not on the street. Well, there there have been a couple of cases uh, of that. Uh, there there were some of our colleagues a number of years ago uh, who wound up landing on a rooftop in Brooklyn. They were actually trying for uh, trying for the street. Uh, but what you wind up looking at is just trying to not hit any anyone that's on the ground you're really trying to um lessen the amount of damage that there would be on the ground um now again in that area the the thing that i really uh, i'm very curious as to what the, what's going to come out of this is because the, the any kind of aircraft operation that we've had um even if you're just transitioning from from the hudson river you're going out to the hamptons uh you're going uh, across midtown to go up toward the uh, the gwb or up to the bronx Everyone avoids that area. It is a one-mile flight restriction around that area. So it's very curious that that aircraft wound up um, essentially about six or seven blocks away from uh, Trump Tower, which is the the spot of that uh, flight restriction. It's unknown at at what point there may have been a mechanical issue. And if there is a mechanical issue, you are just you're looking for some place to put it down as safely as possible. All right, Tom Kaminsky, stay with us. Uh, We appreciate your expertise. Uh, Jim Feldman, WCBS Traffic Center. Fill us in on uh, what you know as far as closures uh, in the area, both streets, subways, and everything. Uh, as far as we know, the uh, closure continues, Steve, on 7th Avenue between 57th and 49th with the ongoing emergency response activity. 51st is also closed between 7th and 6th Avenues. 52nd is closed as well between 8th Avenue and 7th Avenue. And as far as we know, according to the MTA, this is not affecting the subways as of right now. You have those subway stops that affect the NVR, the W, and the Q train, also the one train subway stop is a block away on Broadway and 50th. Southbound M7, M20, M104 buses, they are making stops on 9th Avenue between 57th and 42nd uh, in response to that, but expect heavy delays and also other service changes on all of the subways and the buses as well. And we'll keep you up to date as more information comes in, Steve. All right, thank you. Uh, We uh, just want to let you know about the weather forecast right now, and uh, it's ugly. Showers, maybe a heavy downpour in the area before the afternoon is out. Very cloudy and foggy with a very low ceiling, the ceiling at about 500 feet, and then rain, maybe a thunderstorm tonight before it uh, clears up tomorrow on a pretty nice day tomorrow. Rain, fog, 64 now here in lower Manhattan. Again, uh, the pilot now confirmed dead. The FDNY says the pilot was killed in this uh, crash landing atop the building at 787 7th Avenue. Governor Cuomo got to the scene pretty quickly, and this was him speaking just a few minutes ago. The uh, preliminary. The preliminary information we have. The, Governor, we're all live right now. So, what can you tell us? The, uh, this is very preliminary information. Uh, the fire department is on scene and uh, they're responding. Uh, but the preliminary information is that there was a helicopter that made a forced landing, emergency landing. Uh, landed on the roof of the building for one reason or another. Uh, There was a fire that uh, happened when the helicopter hit the roof. People who were in the building said they felt the building shake. Uh, The fire department believes the fire is uh, under control. Uh, there may have been casualties involved in people in the helicopter. Do we know at this point how many were on that helicopter? We do not know. Uh, but uh, right now, we believe the fire is under control. Again, casualties involved with the helicopter. We don't know what caused the helicopter to land on the top of the building. 
but people in the building itself, uh, nobody has been hurt. Some people have been evacuated. This is all very preliminary, and uh, the fire department is uh, just in the midst of responding right now as we speak. Governor, I wonder what goes through your mind when you hear some kind of a aircraft into a building. They're not, they're not defining it as either a hard landing or an emergency landing, uh, just that the helicopter landed on, to use a word, on the rooftop of the building, uh, which caused the fire. So obviously, uh, I don't know. But obviously, it created a fire, so it was not a routine uh, landing. Governor, when you hear an aircraft has hit a building in Midtown Manhattan, what went through your mind? What do you presume went through the minds of people in New York? Well, look, this is, uh, if you're a, a New Yorker, you have uh, a level of PTSD, right, from 9-11. And uh, I remember that morning all uh, too well. So as soon as you hear an aircraft hit a building, uh, I think my mind goes where every New Yorker's mind goes. But at this point, there's no indication. As uh, you were saying before, no, you had tossed to me that it's no a very... There's no indication that that is the case. The only indication was a helicopter had to do an emergency or a hard landing or crashed onto the rooftop of the building, causing a fire. But there's no indication of anything more than that. Again, this is all very preliminary. And these situations evolve very quickly, as we know. Uh, but that's all we know at this time. Governor Andrew Cuomo speaking at the scene at 7th Avenue and 51st Street just moments ago. We do now know that one person, the helicopter pilot, is dead in this crash of a helicopter onto the top of a building at 787 7th Avenue. Stay informed. Stay connected. Depend on WCBS. I'm Michael Wallace. And I'm Steve Scott. With three things to know at 245, all of them about our top story, a helicopter crash in Midtown. It crashed onto the top of a 750-foot skyscraper at 787 7th Avenue near 51st Street. It's a 51-story building. It just happened a little before 2 this afternoon. The FDNY has confirmed the pilot was killed. That word coming in the past 10 minutes or so. We believe the pilot was the only person on board the helicopter. And three many people inside the building say they felt the building shake. They were told to evacuate. No one in the building was hurt. Stay with WCBS 880 for continuing coverage of the Midtown helicopter crash. WCBS's Steve Burns is there uh, at the scene and joins us with the latest. Anything new, Steve? Uh, not much has changed here in terms of the emergency uh, response. There is uh, still a innumerable amount uh, of fire trucks here, along with uh, ambulances, police cars, uh, some still trying to get here. As you can hear the siren uh, in the background. I'm standing in the middle of 7th Avenue at 50th Street. Uh, it looks to be closed up north, as far as I can see. Uh, south, if I turn around and look at Times Square, uh, it looks to be back open right around 46th Street or so. But it's uh, still clearly an active scene with uh, police officers, firefighters mingling around with the many tourists and uh, Midtown office workers that are out here checking out the scene. Uh, at least saw uh, an eyewitness account on Twitter who uh, said that it uh, sounded something to the effect of a, a low-flying aircraft, a sound that you should never hear in Midtown. And then uh, she saw uh, what she described as a sheet of fire uh, coming from the roof of this building. Uh, and as you said, we do know that uh, there is one fatality here, the pilot of that helicopter. Uh, looking up to this uh, skyscraper, as we can see it from one block away, still uh, no clear signs of a, a fire or explosion or anything uh, on the roof of that building. But clearly still a large emergency response here uh, as we await more details on this, guys. Steve Burns at the scene. And just to help orient you with exactly where uh, things are here, uh, 787-7th Avenue, if you go uh, one building to the north, it's the Sheridan, New York. So if you're familiar with that hotel, it has happened at the building right next door at 7th Avenue and 51st Street. The pilot is dead after a helicopter either crashed or made a hard landing on the top of the building there at 7th and 51st. You know, we heard earlier from uh, Justin Avalar, the son of uh, one of our colleagues here at WCBS, Joe Avalar. He was in the building on the 24th floor 
He said it sounded like a truck and then a large whoosh. A lot of people saying they felt the, a jolt in the building and uh, were wondering what was happening. And then the announcement a, a few minutes later to evacuate. And by uh, all accounts, it was an orderly, safe evacuation. Our Kevin Rinconi is on the scene. He spoke with someone who was inside the skyscraper when the helicopter crash landed. Let's listen to that. What was going through your mind when you heard that? It reminded me of 9-11. It's, it's kind of scary. It is. It is. Because we don't know what was going on. Now, do choppers tip technically land? Do choppers land there? Well, from what I heard, they said it crashed. It's, just, it's like a big vibration. It just crashed to the building. So they want everybody to evacuate the building. And what was it like during that evacuation? Scary. Very scary. How quickly were it? Was everyone able to get Everybody out? was running out. It was very scary that everybody had to run out. They thought it was like 9 11. And when you came outside, did you call someone, tell them what happened? What did you do? Well, I didn't call nobody. I called just my fiance and let her know what was going on. So she expected me to go home. So I'm waiting for the rain to slow down so I can start going home. How would you describe the scene out here right now? It's, it's, like I said, it's scary. It's very scary. Were you in the city during 9-11? Uh, yes. So you remember that day? Yes. Um, how long before you started seeing first responders come out here? You, you mentioned you heard, you felt the shake. How long before you started seeing what you saw here? Like 15, 20 minutes. That's when it happens. So between that time, what was going through your mind? Between the time you felt something, heard something, and then the time you start seeing the first responders get out? I just, I just ran out. That's it. I just left my lunch and just ran out. That's it. That's all I can say. That's it. And can you describe again for me what, what you did hear and see? Well, it's just the vibration that we just heard. That's it. Like Because we thought it was like they're doing construction in the building. For me, it's not a construction. So we heard of, um, an announcement that said that we have to evacuate the building. Then he said, what was the cause? So everybody had to leave the building. What were, what were people around you doing in, in, at that time when you started to, to get a sense this isn't, this isn't construction? Everybody started to leave. They was leaving. Were they panicked? Was it a normal well, just walking out? Like just walking drill, out, or? just like a fire drill. Just walking normal, but we don't know what was going on until they find out what really happened. Did building security seem concerned at all? No. That was Kevin Rincon on the scene at uh, 7th Avenue and 51st Street, where a helicopter has uh, crashed into a high-rise there at 787 7th Avenue. Uh, if you've spent a lot of time in New York, you may remember that uh, building being called uh, the Equitable Tower uh, we understand now it's uh, known as the AXA Equitable Center at 787 7th Avenue at 51st Street. Steve, new update just tweeted from the FDNY. It confirms the helicopter crash landed. It confirms the uh, pilot was killed. The fire that had uh, broken out has been extinguished, but the FDNY says it's still operating in response to fuel leaking from the helicopter. That can't be easy, 51 stories up. So that's what the firefighters up there are working on at this time. And also, not easy today because of the weather conditions, is our ability to get a bird's eye view of exactly what the scene is up there at the top of that 51-story building. Uh, the cloud ceiling, the fog, is so low right now that from ground level you can't see the top of the building. And obviously there are no news helicopters flying in this kind of weather, so we can't get an, an airborne Shot. So we are uh, literally uh, in the clouds, in the fog, on exactly what the scene looks like on the top of the building where this helicopter has uh, crashed at 787 7th Avenue. President Trump has just weighed in on Twitter. He tweets, quote, I have been briefed on the helicopter crash in New York City. Phenomenal job by our great first responders who are currently on the scene. Thank you for all you do, 24-7, 365. The president tweets, the Trump administration stands ready should you need anything at all. That tweet just in from President Trump on this afternoon's helicopter crash in Midtown. Jim Feldman, WCBS Traffic Center. You're keeping an eye on conditions around the area there, and uh, you also have uh, a good look at a lot of traffic cameras. What can you tell us? Well, we can tell you that uh, it is still closed, 7th Avenue, that is, Steve, between 57th and 49th with the emergency response. Also closed, 51st Street between 7th and 6th Avenues. 52nd is closed between 8th and 7th Avenue, and also no eastbound traffic off of 8th Avenue onto 46th, onto 48th, and 
also on the 50th Street as far as the emergency response is concerned. And so far, as far as we know, this is not affecting the subways. You do have the subway stops on the N, the R, the W, and the Q on uh, 7th Avenue. You also have the 1 a block away in 50th and Broadway. It is affecting the buses, southbound M, southbound M20, uh, M7, M20, and M104 buses. They are making stops on 9th between 57th and 42nd Streets. Uh, but again, other traffic is being diverted away from 7th Avenue with this closure that is still in effect on 7th between 57th and 49th. Uh, and 51st Street is where the uh, crash actually took place. Uh, we do see the closure as well there. Our meteorologist Bob Larson tells us the uh, ceiling is somewhere in the area of around 500 feet as we have clouds, rain, and fog. We can't rule out a heavy downpour uh, later on in the afternoon. Rain again tonight, maybe a thunderstorm overnight with a low in the 60s, and then tomorrow a shower early, and then it gets better, a partly cloudy and less humid day with a high in the mid-70s tomorrow. Very foggy now, still some scattered showers, 63 in Bayside, 67 in Huntington Station, and 64 degrees with rain, fog, and mist here in Lower Manhattan. Because we know that uh, people uh, come and go to the radio station, we want to get you caught up on what we know about a helicopter crash in Midtown. A helicopter has crashed into the top of a building at 787 7th Avenue. That's 7th Avenue and 51st Street. It's a 51-story building, the old Equitable Building, now known as the AXA Equitable Center. One person has been killed, the FDNY tells us, the pilot in the helicopter. We believe the pilot was the only person in the helicopter when it hit the top of the building. Why? Whether it was uh, completely by accident, where it slammed into the top of the building, we don't know. Or perhaps did they, uh, the pilot experience some sort of mechanical problems and make what could be called, really, a heroic uh, crash landing on the top of the building. From what we have seen, Mike, I, I haven't seen any debris on the ground below. No, it looks like uh, this this hard landing or crash landing uh, was in situated in such a way that uh, he got you know the center of the top of the building. Uh, the, yeah, you don't see any. Uh, for again, it's hard to see because it's high up there and in some fog, but you don't see anything missing from the top edges of the building. It looks like uh, uh, he, he he hit its center there, uh, which would be good for everyone else involved. And again, the, no one in the building injured. Apparently, the pilot, the only casualty. Tom Kaminsky, you still with us? I am indeed. We have about a minute here. If you could touch again on the conditions that you're seeing and, and uh, the conditions that you've heard about as far as the, the ceiling and the like, you certainly would not be flying in a helicopter in this weather. No, we would not be. The The ceiling was at about 500 feet, and we're waiting. the briefing should be coming out in about a minute or so, so I'll have some updated numbers. But uh, it was at 500 feet at, uh, at Newark Airport as well as at LaGuardia, and JFK was at 600. So certainly for our purposes, it was well below the company minimums. I just checked with my pilot and checked in with the other guys out of Linden Airport where we are. Everybody there is safe. No one went out of Linden Airport uh, at all today because of the uh, weather conditions. So again, it really comes down to uh, where this aircraft came out of uh, and where exactly he was going. And the other issue that comes in is the proximity of that flight restriction where he was and where he sat down on top of that building is right in the middle of that flight restriction. So again, that's uh, another thing that's going to have to be asked. All right. Thank you, Tom Kaminsky, uh, whose expertise and experience in helicopters uh, we are relying on today with a helicopter crash in Midtown into the top of a 51-story building, the old Equitable Building, at 7th Avenue and 51st Street. One person is dead. The pilot is dead. 258 at WCBS. Let's get you updated on traffic and weather together with Jim Feldman in the Traffic Center. And again, the closure is 7th Avenue between 57th and 49th Street with the ongoing emergency response. 51st Street completely closed between 7th and 6th Avenues. 52nd closed between 8th and 7th Avenues. And traffic traveling north on 8th Avenue is not going to be allowed to make that right-hand turn onto 46th Street, onto 48th, and also onto 50th Street. Again, this is not affecting the subways as far as we know. It is affecting the buses, though. You do have the service change northbound on the M7, the M7 southbound, the M20 southbound, the M104. They are making stops on 9th Avenue between 57th and 42nd. Other things going on, northbound West Side Highway, West 16th Street, an accident there as well. A vehicle went into some scaffolding. Only one lane is uh, open there and some trouble as well continuing in Brooklyn on the southbound side of the BQE. The right lane is blocked. That accident that has been there for a while, up to two lanes at one point were blocked. It is just the right lane but is blocked, but traffic is back into Queens by at least Queens Boulevard on the southbound BQE. And now the forecast from the WCBS Weather Center. 
And our forecast for the remainder of the afternoon. Showers with clouds and fog, a very low ceiling. We can't rule out a heavy downpour later. The high should top out in the mid to upper 60s. Tonight, rain, maybe a thunderstorm with a low in the low 60s. Tomorrow, a shower early, then a better day later in the day tomorrow. Partly cloudy, less humid, and a high of 76. Scattered showers, mist, very foggy at 67 in Belmore, 66 in Yonkers, 64 here in Lower Manhattan. This is WCBS, WCBS HD, and WCBS FM HD2 New York. There has been a deadly helicopter crash atop a skyscraper in Midtown. Fuel is still leaking on the roof of the building. The chopper made what Governor Cuomo describes as a forced landing atop 787 7th Avenue at 51st Street. The FDNY confirms one death, the pilot. 7th Avenue remains closed between 48th and 57th Streets, and uh, some of the east-wests are closed as well. It was a low ceiling weather, perhaps a factor. It's 67 now in New York City and raining here on Monday, June 10th. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Steve Scott. And I'm Michael Wallace. More than just the headlines, this is WCBS News Radio 880. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 